Stampede. Garner isn't number 14. I know what's troubling me. It's not the war machine we built in this country, nor the weekly, or should I say daily, mass killings, or the melting ice in the Arctic, the Ebola in Africa, the protests in Hong Kong. It's not even the worthless paper we call our money, our debt. No, what's ticked me off is our space exploration and 
More specifically, with Israel's crashing a device on the surface of the moon. Now, this may seem a trivial thing compared to the mayhem and chaos running wild here on our planet. You'd think if we want to mess up living here on our little corner of the solar system, we'd have the decency to leave the moon alone. I mean, collectively, it's possible. What's happening is that the entire human race is becoming mentally unhinged. I'm not pointing a finger at the Israelis. Believe me, there's a lot of abnormal behavior going around everywhere. And the Israelis aren't to blame for the absurdity that exists. No, my take is that everybody's messed up. It's a human condition. That is to say, our species has become mentally unstable. Or put another way, we're going crazy. And I don't just mean on an individual level. No, I mean all of humanity is off the deep end. And entire societies can be considered mentally ill. Of course, the question is, what's normal and what's not? And this has been a question for a long time. For example, I think it's safe to say we humans have been looking at the moon for a long time. And to many, it represents a certain stability. It's silent. It's peaceful. It's everlasting. It's predictable. It's constant. It's serene and nonviolent and pacifying. In other words, if you want a definition of what is normal, all you have to do is look at the moon and you've got something that's dependable. The moon is never late. It never talks back. It's not disrespectful. It's never complaining. It's not disruptive. It's always courteous and polite. It never distorts the facts. It never distorts the truth. In other words, the moon is perfectly sane and normal.
Which brings me to my point. Back in April of this year, the Israelis, with the help of a SpaceX rocket and probably NASA's expertise, sent a satellite toward the moon. Its mission was to land on the Sea of Serenity, but it failed and crashed, carrying its payload. It was carrying three items. One, a sample of human DNA. Two, a three million page library of the history of human knowledge. And lastly, an unknown quantity of living organisms called water bears, or scientifically called tardigrades. Now, you've got to be asking yourself, why would they send a 30 million page history of the human knowledge to the moon? Who's going to access that and why? Let me see. We're leaving messages for some unknown alien force to figure out what we humans were all about by finding a library on the moon. If you ask me, that's a pretty pessimistic view for us on Earth. You'd think there's a lot of information about us here on our planet. You don't have to send a library to the moon unless you're figuring things are coming to a violent conclusion on Mother Earth. And then there's that other thing, a sample, a sample of the DNA code of the human species. What's that all about? Some alien coming across the sample of our DNA on the moon wanting to crossbreed with us? I don't think so. Those two things are troubling enough. But the last item that caught my attention was this unknown quantity of living tardigrades. Now, if you're not familiar with these creatures, you might be happy to hear they're everywhere here on Earth but they have some very unusual qualities. These micro-animals are very resilient with the ability to survive extreme conditions. They're found on mountaintops, in the deep sea, in volcanoes, rainforests, and the Antarctic. They exist in extreme conditions, such as high temperatures, extreme pressure, air deprivation, radiation, dehydration, and starvation. And they've been shown to survive exposure in outer space. They've been around for a long time. Fossils, 350 million years old, of tardigrades have been found.
these living micro-animals were sent aboard with a library of history of mankind and a sample of human DNA to the surface of the moon. You know, it can be said a lot of what we do in our everyday lives has a consequence to what our future will be. And this crashed landing of a vehicle on the sea of serenity on our ancestral object in the night sky says something is wrong. And I mean really wrong with the way we're going. For you people believing in conspiracies, I don't blame you in thinking something isn't right. But putting that aside, I like approaching this from another perspective. I'm a natural man, an aesthetic man, and I believe consumerism is robbing us of how we should approach our daily lives. I believe in creativity, not profits, that we should spend our time with music, art, dance, drama, literature, and any other countless art forms, not how to make more money. Personally, I find seeing the moon in the night sky as something beautiful, and I believe we would all be better off if we viewed it that way, not as a laboratory to see if tardigrades can survive there. I believe in things that are beautiful, and this makes me turn to my two main characters in my show, Garner Isn't, Triple G, a sex robot, and Garner the human. Garner acquired Triple G to fulfill his sexual needs. This relationship may very well exist in our future, and I'll tell you why. In our society today, women have had enough with men and say they don't need them anymore, which in the future may cause our male species to release their sexual tension by acquiring sex robots. But in this story, Garner the human has emotions and has fallen in love with a mechanical machine.
It's night with Garner and Triple G sitting outside on the steps of a porch. It's so peaceful, Garner. Yes, the stars and the moon are out tonight, Triple G. Oh, look, it was a meteor streaking across the sky. Something coming to Earth in the dark. Can you feel that, Triple G? I can only see it, Garner. I can't feel it as you do. I know, Triple G. I want to feel as you do, Garner. I want to be more human. I don't know if that's possible, Triple G. You have to be part of the natural world. I don't know if you can ever feel as I do. How can I learn? How can I feel? Look how beautiful the moon is tonight, Triple G. Yes, reflection of the light from the sun. But you can't feel it, can you? Lots of other living things feel how beautiful the moon is. Can you bark like a coyote, Triple G? No, I don't know. I don't know if I've been programmed to do that. Show me how a coyote barks in the night. You mean like this? Oh, oh, oh! I've recorded it. Yes, you can imitate. Why don't you try barking like a coyote? All right. Did you feel anything? I don't know. Did I sound like a coyote? Maybe, but did you see a coyote on a hill by the light of the moon calling to the moon? No, I didn't. Try again. Think you're a coyote on a hill calling to the moon. Yes. Oh, oh, oh. Did you see the coyote? I can't say. I saw something, but I don't know. If you want to be human, Triple G, you have to feel as if you're part of nature. I'm a natural man, and I believe I've come from nature. I'm not part of the artificial world, the world of ones and zeros. No number can feel like the real world. Yes, Garner, I know. I need to be more than just a robot made from zeros and ones. That's it. Garner is trying to teach his sex robot to be more human. He has the human quality of showing empathy. And we as a species believe we're the only living things capable of having empathy. But I know that can't be true. We believe we're the only ones that can feel that. We can't see that other animals have feelings because they live so differently than we do. 
they live on a different path because they have a different code that tells them this is how you survive. A bird makes a decision in constructing a nest. It can only do that by the genetic code it's been born with. Its physical makeup determines its choices for how to make its nest, but it makes choices. Why it makes the nest is an altogether different thing, but it makes choices based on its physical constraints. And that's to say they live differently than we do. Our motivations are different, but the aesthetic choices, and I mean the decision for a bird to pick up a string or a twig on the ground to construct its nest, is not much different than a human artist picking a color to paint with a brush on a canvas. The bird has feelings, and so does the artist. It's difficult for us to see that because the bird lives so differently than we do. But both have empathy. Both have feelings. We're connected to the natural world. And when we refuse to accept that, we'll be dangerous to ourselves. Maybe that's why we sent millions of pages, a library of the history of humanity to the moon. Maybe that's why a sample of our DNA was sent to the moon. Maybe we can't see what's beautiful anymore. Maybe we've lost the meaning of understanding where we belong. We've gone down the wrong path, leaving behind the values of where we belong. You've been sold down the river. You've become the new slaves, never to see the meaning of what we are. Well, I'm not like you. I don't believe our prophets will make us better. I believe in all the things that music and art can bring us. I believe the coyote sings to the moon, that bluebirds sing because the sky is blue. I believe we're connected. I'm not like you. I don't belong to you. I belong to the coyotes, to the bluebirds, to the rivers and the oceans. I'm a natural man. This week on Garner Isn't, you first heard Michael Stern's composition, Broken Vows, from the 1992 movie Baraka. You then heard, Is That What Everybody Wants? A Cliff Martinez score for the movie Solaris. Then another piece for the film score, Contagion. And again, another from the movie Drive, Rubberhead, Martinez was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as a drummer for the Red Hot Chili Pepper Band. Finally, you heard field recordings, first by Robert J.D., Coyotes, and then Coyotes Howling During the Night, Oklahoma, by Felix Bloom. I might say, growing up on my farm at night, 
I often listened to coyotes singing on a distant hill. Stampede, written and performed by Edward Garner in Morro Bay and Paso Robles, California.